Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Man. Well, I can't believe it's uh, halfway through the year, tax time, uh, for those of us that are in Australia. It doesn't seem like that long ago that it was the beginning of the year, but I guess it is. And, you know, when you think about the beginning of the year, uh, I don't do this, but uh, I think a lot of people do. They do the whole, you know, New Year's resolutions and decide that they're going to change their life drastically uh, and these things are going to uh, be a part of what they're going to do. Uh, But uh, most of those New Year's resolutions really don't last all that long. Certainly that's what I've heard um, in there. But, uh, you know, for some of us, there might be a new fad, something that we decide to take on board. Um, And like most things, we start them and then we probably stop them almost as quickly as we started them. They just don't always have staying power uh, or sticking power. Maybe it's uh, a new hobby or a new interest uh, that you've taken on board again. um, They don't always go the distance. Um, I had a major interest uh, several years ago now, um, my full-time profession uh, a few years back now, but it was within the IT sector, information technology. And uh, I decided that one of the things that I wanted to embark on uh, was to become a computer expert, but not just any expert. Now, most of you have probably heard uh, about computer hackers, um, and they're basically people that break into computer systems and uh, do all sorts of bad and nasty stuff. Well, I've actually got a terminology for those types of computer hackers. They're referred to as black hat hackers, black meaning bad, basically. Well, the other side of that is that there are these group of people called white hat hackers. And that's what I seriously looked at becoming. So that's one, not necessarily that you hack into systems just to prove that you can. But the idea is if you skill yourself up to the point that you could be a black hat hacker, but learn all that stuff as a good guy, hence the white hat, then you can work for companies and organisations and help uh, show them what their vulnerabilities are, the levels of exposure, and really just be a great asset to different employees within that particular sector. And so that's what uh, I kind of thought that uh, I'd like to get involved in. Uh, But of course, when I investigated it a little bit further, I realised there was a huge amount of learning, even though I was within the IT sector and had been for probably almost 20 years, this hacking environment was a whole different ball game, and it really required a whole different skill set that I didn't yet have. And the more I looked into it, the more work it was going to be, and not only just to get you started, but the things were constantly evolving, and it would have just been a huge amount of pressure for me to constantly learn pretty much forever. And I didn't really feel that was where uh, my life wanted to go, certainly professionally at that stage. So like a lot of us, um, you know, it was one of those ideas, but it didn't really get um, a lot of traction. So tonight we're looking at the question of what do you want? Because that was something that I thought I wanted. And then when I dug a little bit deeper, I realised, you know what, Bruce, this is not something uh, that I actually do want. Now, if you're here in our new uh, Metro Church, the online platform, let me tell you about a great feature that's on there. Over in the chat tab, there's another tab down the bottom there which says notes. And if you click on that right now, you are going to find my notes with all the scripture references, all the key points, and you can actually type your own notes onto the screen. So if you don't like mine, you can delete them and put your own in there. But hopefully you can simply add to the notes that I've already provided for you this evening. And then at the end of the message, you can actually download those, save them, print them out, save them into a PDF, do whatever you want on that as well. So just another great feature that's available to you with our new streaming platform, metrochurch.online. So make sure you avail yourself of that. 
Let me kick off then with a scripture which I'm really talking about. The bulk of this message is going to be talking about uh, this particular scripture. So let's kick off. This is in Luke chapter 18, and it's verses 35 through to 41. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. So we'll get back to that verse soon. But let me pose a slightly different question. In regards to what do you want, let's start with what does God want? Because I think that's a great starting point. You know, just because you want something doesn't necessarily mean it's a great thing. I'm pretty sure, maybe I'm the only person like this, but I'm pretty sure that as a child, your favourite meal was dessert. And I reckon you thought if you could have dessert for every single meal, every single day, all the time, that was going to be a great idea. Who was like me and thought that was going to be the best thing ever? Great. Who still thinks that, by the way? Not healthy, but fun. Yeah, not not a great idea. But we should also be asking the question, you know, what does God want of us? What's the right thing? And you might think, well, I could ask that question, what does God want? But how am I supposed to know what God wants? I'm glad you asked. Let's have a look at a scripture. Jeremy, sorry, not Jeremy, Jeremiah. That's his new name. Previously it was Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, I know that obviously people that are part of this message, whether you're in the building or online, there's a lot of these scriptures. I'm not going to assume that you've read these a thousand and one times. This might be the very first time you're reading and hearing a scripture like this. So let me spell it out for you. God has a plan for every single one of us. And this is one of the many verses in the Bible where he is showing us that, that he's got plans for us. So when it comes to the question of what does God want from us or for us, well, there's going to be an answer built in because he does have plans. He does have ideas. Here's another one, pretty much talking about the same thing, another scripture that is. This is Psalm verse 37, sorry, chapter 37 and verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, I love this one because we've got to understand and take on board, and hopefully you do, is that God created us, every single one of us. And so everything that is within inside of us, the things that we like, the things that we don't like, the passions, the desires of our heart, because God created us, he is the one who put those things there. And for some people, when you talk about them and you ask them, what would you like to do? What would you like to achieve in life? Sometimes they can feel, well, they come across as very embarrassed. I think, oh, I'd like to do this, but oh, I'm not too sure. And, but people might see me, they might find out, and I'd be embarrassed about that. But it's like God has placed these things inside of each and every one of our hearts. There are things that he's placed in every single one of us for a reason, not just to store away and gather rust and, and have moths destroy them. He's put things inside of us so that he wants us to do things with them. So we can seek God. We can ask that question of him. What does he want us to do? 
And when it comes to questions, there is a reason why questions are asked. And it's not just to say words. And it's not even just to ask the question. The reason why questions are asked is to get responses. Let's have a look at, I think, one of the amazing scriptures. And, you know, we look at the disciples. This is Jesus when he's talking to the disciples. And we are amazed sometimes by some of their responses. But we've got the benefit of hindsight. Uh, They were there right there in the midst of it. But here's Jesus asking his disciples uh, a question. This is in John chapter 6 and verse 5. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, one of the disciples, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, the rest of the story, if you read that on, this is one of the instances where it's recorded that he feeds the 5,000. But he asks one of the disciples, where shall we buy bread for all of these people to eat? So what does Jesus really want? Obviously, he's wanting to provide the need, but he's wanting those around him, those that he is teaching, those that he is discipling. He wants them to think and to go beyond what they know in their natural mind. He wants them to stretch. He's trying to develop the faith that he knows is within inside of them and show them what can be done if you ask the right questions and if you step out in faith. So again, on thinking about that concept, that question of what does God want? Let's have a look at another scripture. This is Matthew chapter 16 and verses 13 through to 17. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. So again, Jesus asks two questions. First of all, who do people say I am? He's interested in how loud is the crowd's voice in the disciples' ears. So people are saying this. Has that got your attention? Or have you got the real attention where it should be, which was the second question? Who do you say I am? So let me pose a question to you. Who do you think God is in your life? Not what other people think. Who do you think God is? And you choose, and hopefully you choose the right one, you choose which one to turn up the volume on. You choose the questions to be asking, which is what does God want for me? So what do you want? That's the next point then. What do you want? It's a great question to be asking God, God, what do you want um, to do? But what would you like? What do you want yourself? And more to the point, what don't you want? Because quite often we can focus on the things that we do want and then we get the the voices of yes, but, yes, but. And I found in my life the word but normally has the devil in there somewhere because it's always about defeating, it's always about you can't do this. But I get it, there are some things in our lives sometimes that we just really don't want to have in our lives. So what don't you want? Sometimes it might be something that you wish hadn't happened, which, of course, you can't undo those sorts of things. It might be something in your life that you would prefer really wasn't there. Uh, It might be a particular person, a circumstance, um, some sort of an affliction. There could be a whole bunch of things that we really would prefer were not 
in our life. But let me give you some challenges then on that because if it is something that you have a level of control over and you don't want it in your life, then why would you put up with that? If you can do something about something, why wouldn't you? And the incredible thing about that is us humans, we have this incredible ability to tolerate things that we really shouldn't tolerate. We just get so used to them that we become blinded to those things that are in our lives. And we don't realize that they are weighing us down over time. And eventually the impact of those can build up and up and up. It affects our stamina. It affects our ability to do things. It's a weight that continues to weigh us down and it happens ever so slowly. But it all starts with, uh, I really wish this wasn't happening in my life. I don't want these things to be happening. Our ability to tolerate the things that we shouldn't tolerate is just nuts sometimes. And sometimes it can just be because we just can't be bothered and we don't want to spend the effort on it. And you've got to be the judge of that. Um, my car is not a brand new car. It's actually far from it. And uh, quite a while ago, the, uh, the key and the ignition switch to start the engine, that started playing up a little bit. And uh, if you went to turn the key, the engine wouldn't start unless you turned it all the way forwards and then back about three millimetres. Unless you knew that trick, you couldn't start my car. Gave me a level of confidence because no one could steal it. But uh, that was one of those things. Was it annoying? Absolutely. Do you know how long I put up with that? About six years. And eventually, circumstances dictated that I needed to do something about it because one day it actually broke and my car wouldn't drive at all. But in our lives, how much do we put up with things until one day there's this massive breakdown and we realise, wow, that thing back there, I really shouldn't have tolerated that for too long. So make sure that you do your best to get rid of those things if you can. If they're in your control, there's a reason why you've got control. It's so that you can take those things away. Now, of course, there might be some things that you can't take away from your life, and that will just be circumstances of life. But even in those situations, you can also control the voices of the crowd, as we heard before. And all those well-meaning people that say, well, brother, well, sister, it must be because of dot, dot, dot. We read that so many times in the Bible. People would come up to Jesus and say, you know, what's wrong with this person? Who sinned? I love that just jump to the guilty straight away. So if you've got voices in your life that people are telling you this thing is happening because, go back to the Word of God because if it's not in the Word of God, tell them to cease talking or block your ears to them. There are some things, of course, that they're a part of your life and you might not be able to get rid of them or you might not be able to get rid of them yet. And we've got a God who understands that. Let me show you a scripture here that it's certainly been a comfort to me. As I've looked back in my life and there's some things that, again, if there was a whiteboard eraser, would I rub, blot out some stuff? Absolutely, I would. But at the same time, in the midst of some of that pain um, and that discouragement, this is a scripture that has really spoken to my heart. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 to 9. And this is the Apostle Paul who wrote a huge chunk of the New Testament. This is him talking in verses 8 to 9. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That is just absolutely huge, and that has been comforting to me, that I've looked back and I've gone, You know what, God? I made it through that. I didn't think I was going to, but I did. And then I get to rejoice because it was obviously God's power in my life. 
to know that God has dwelt inside of you, to know that he has helped you with different things, that is amazing. You have a testimony. No one can ever take that away from you. So can I encourage you, press in like Paul did. Press in and hold God to his word. Quote it to him. He's okay with that. He wants you to quote his word back to him because it is life. It will be life to your spirit as well. So strength can come from that. And then, hopefully like I'm doing right now, you can encourage others. You can say, you know what? I've had some things that I wish were not in my life, but God has strengthened me. And you can also strengthen others and encourage them. So that's what you don't want. Let's get on to the fun stuff, shall we? What do you want? But here's the caveat on that one. What do you want? And what would that really mean? You know, we get back to the kids and they want dessert for every single meal. You know what that would totally mean? Rotten teeth, uh, really bad cholesterol, probably diabetes, all sorts of other things as well. So as good as it might be, some things you've got to be sure, do you really, really want them? But let's go back to that opening scripture that we started with this evening. This is again uh, Luke chapter 18, verses 35. But this time I'm going to go a few more verses forward through to verse 43. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped, ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do? Lord, I want to see. He replied, Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God, and all the people saw it, and they also praised God. You know, it really is worth pressing in and hanging in there because when you get the things that you're seeking God for, others benefit as well. Others get encouraged. I just love how God is like that. It's never just about us. It's always about other people. And here's another example of that right there. So when it comes to, though, to what do you want and what does it mean, there's going to be implications. If you get what you want, there will be implications. And everyone thinks, Great, yeah, awesome, I get what I want. But you really need to think about what it is you're asking for and understand what those implications will actually be. To get it, the thing that you're seeking, might require some consistency, some time, some commitment, a long-term approach, and I'm talking beyond the end of this message. But there might be a cost to pay. There might be a price to pay. When you think about what it is that you want, there's the assumption, of course, that that blind man wanted his sight. And I remember as an early Christian, I was a little bit uh, confused when I read that scripture where it's Jesus is asking the blind man, what do you want? And I thought, Jesus, we all know the story here. This man is blind. Why would you be asking him what he wants? Surely he actually wants his sight. There's an assumption there. Uh, and other people would have as well. But imagine your life now, and there's a whole bunch of stuff in your life. God's got all these things, and you've got all these things in your mind that you'd like. Well, which of these is number one for you? Which of these is number two? If you don't tell God, how is he supposed to know which one you would prefer to have happen? Now, by chance, it might be the first thing, but you might not be so pleased if God decides to 
open up door number 15 for you. And you're there going, but what about the other things? So you need to determine what it is that you really do want, but then think through the implications of getting that. There's a cost there, and the scripture tells us that we do need to consider the cost for the things that we are embarking upon. Now, this is not a bad news message. This is a good news message, because if you factor in these things, if you think about these things, then it will be so much more sweeter when you do get those things that you are seeking God for. So here's a scripture that talks about us needing to consider and ponder the things that he wants us to be pursuing. This is Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost and see if you have enough money to complete it? So are you up for this? What is it going to mean? Let's think about that blind man for a few moments. He was a beggar. That's all he'd known his whole life. And that's how he got income. You have to assume, and we understand from the culture of the day, that people took pity on him. And so he had you know, a hat out or a blanket or something, and people would drop money there. And that was his sole source of income. There wasn't Social Security uh, like we've got here. He would never have had the opportunity to develop a trade or a profession um, or think about becoming a black hat or a white hat hatter. Those things just were not ever on his horizon. So, of course, what he wanted, what he asked for was his sight. But if he got his sight, and before that actually happened, if he got his sight, I wonder, had he thought through the implications of all of that? Because if he got what he asked for, then he would no longer be able to sit by the, the roadside there and ask people for money. I'm sure the response would be, you can see, get up and you know, earn some money yourself. So all of a sudden, he'd have to start working for a living. He'd have to provide for himself. So that's a challenge for us. If you really do get what we're asking for, do we understand what that is actually going to mean? If you're asking God to open up doors, if you're asking him to bless you financially, then there's going to come obligation, privilege and responsibility that come with all of those things. And we know already from those scriptures that we've seen that when Jesus asks us the question, he does want us to give a, a considered response. And so I think that's why he asked the blind man, what do you want? Because maybe the blind man wanted something else. But Jesus wanted him to think about what it was that he wanted. And of course, he got to have his sight, which is fantastic. So you've asked what you want, you've counted the cost, and guess what? It hasn't happened yet. Uh, to quote the kids in the backseat of the car, I used to be one of them, are we there yet? That good old thing. There's certainly frustrations when things haven't happened yet. But, you know, God being God and him wanting to look after us, sometimes the reasons why things haven't happened yet in our lives is because we're simply not ready. We really aren't. There's been, I've lost count now of the number of things in my life that I wanted to have happen. And I'm so grateful for the waiting perspective of it. You know, we live in such a society, certainly in our first world Australian uh, society that is, where it's the whole instant mentality. I want, it every, I want everything now. I want it yesterday. It's the instant gratification. Get it now. Pay later. Boy, will you pay later. Sidebar there. You know, we're not really great about waiting for things, but there's something that comes through developing that patience and making sure that you get it when, you're, when you need it to. 
And you know what? The blind man, he wasn't the only person that's blind. We've all got blind spots in our own lives as well. And sometimes you need some good friends around about you to help you work through those things. Good friends I'm talking about, uh, not bad ones. But again, there might be blind spots, things in our lives that uh, those are the reasons perhaps why we're not quite there yet. So those are some of the things to take on board. So then you can always pray this prayer once you think you're there. Um, And it goes like this, Lord, give me patience now. I've prayed that a few times, and I didn't even wait that long for the now bit. I said, Lord, give me patience, Lord, give me patience, Lord, give me patience. And poor God's saying, well, you're going to shut up for a second and let me actually, you know, work with that one. But work with it. The other thing to consider with this in Canon the Cost, when you get it, what will you leave behind? Because for most of us, if we're seeking something new, we've all got limited capacity. There is only so much all of us can actually do. And so if we're going to be moving into something new, there might be, not always, but there might be something that we need to leave behind or delegate or let someone else take up the baton. We see that through Scripture. It's a great leadership principle. So you need to be prepared to leave some things behind. You need to be prepared for change. Now here's an ouch thing. Guess what? Change requires change. Change requires you to actually change. And you might go, yep, that's great. I'm up for that. Really? Are you? Who's decided to get fit? And how long did that last? Who's decided to eat healthy? And see how long that one lasted. Who decided to get their finances in order? Who can put their hand up to say, 1,000% did it all, still doing it strong? And I'm not going to put my hand up because I'm nowhere near there myself. But a lot of things will require change. So take that on board. Okay, let me give you some wrap-up thoughts uh, for this message uh, today then. You know, that passage uh, back in Luke 18, I'm not going to read it again, but there's actually a lot in there. And I'd like to just quickly run through. Uh, These aren't going to be on the notes. Sorry, dot online. Sorry, people in the building. But there's just some... Six different things that I saw within that passage of Scripture that I think really just summarises this whole message. First of all, when it comes to the case of, you know, what do you want, there is the cry for help. You've got to let God know what it is. I'm surprised the number of times that I've spoken to people and they've talked to me about different issues and I've said, have you prayed about it? And then the number of times is like, oh, not yet. It's like, well... This is a nice conversation that we're having, but have you prayed about it? You've got to reach out to God and ask him to have some input in here. And when you're doing that, you've got to silence the discouragers as well. And that's what this man needed to do. He cried out for help and people tried to shout him out and he cried all the harder. I love that guy's attitude. When you cry to God, there will be a response. There was from Jesus. He called the man over. So expect God to act when you reach out to him. Expect clarification. Expect it from God and expect to know it in yourself, as in what do you want, what do you really want. You've also got to do your part. If you note in that passage, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. So that man needed to do more than just shout out. He needed to do more than change his position, change his posture. He also needed to bring an element of faith into the equation. So that man had to bring something other than just wordplay. He needed to add his faith on there. 
there was a what now? Well, hopefully there'll be a thank God, which he did. He thanks God. He praised God. Then there was a, a case of following him. And of course, when you finally get what you want for this man, his sight, then what happens now as a result of that? So if you've been having these things, I don't, there's probably more than one thing that you might like. Where's your action plan on that one? Where are your thoughts towards, okay, well, what will it look like when I get that thing? How will I move into that area? What will I be doing differently in my life? There's things on my horizon. There are things in my heart. And I'm constantly praying to God and I'm imagining what things might look like, what I might do, the things that I might stop doing, the things that might change as a result of this. I'm dreaming about that. I'm putting that before God as I'm continuing to add in the what am I doing and what am I asking God for. So that's what you want. But I want to ask a final question here, the most important one, which is what do you need? Well, you need Jesus if you don't have him already. You need Jesus to be Lord of your life, and he wants to be. We've read in that scripture. He wants to come alongside us. He wants to do things for us and in our lives. He offers us an amazing free gift of salvation. All we need to do is to come to him and say, Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Saviour? And he washes away all of our past, all of our wrongdoings. All he asks us to do is to respond to him. And so we've made it really simple for you here at Metro Church. There's a couple of ways in which you can say yes to Jesus. And that's all that he's asking you to do. And that's all that I'm asking you to do if you don't know Jesus yet, is to say yes to him a couple of easy ways. Firstly, if you're in Australia, you can just text the word yes to this number, 0488 that will send you a text message each day with a Bible verse. It's you saying yes to Jesus, and then this is our church. We will send you a message from the Bible with a prayer that you can pray, and that will start you on your journey uh, becoming a Christian, following Jesus. You can also get that via email if you would like to do that. Head on to our website, uh, a special web address, yes.metrochurch.org.au. You can achieve this if you're on the online platform, metrochurch.online. You'll see a tab at the top there which says, Say Yes to Jesus. Same thing. You can get that via email. And, of course, there's a moment. So there should be a moment coming up on your screen in Metro Church Online uh, where you can just say yes to Jesus on there. So I'm going to pray in faith, believing that there are people, because we know that there always are, that are going to be pondering this question. And so I'm going to be praying for you right now that you will say yes. Would you join with me? Lord, we come before you. We thank you for this message. But most importantly, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to say yes to you, Jesus. And so, Father, I pray for all of those people that are thinking about that right now, that you will encourage them, you will stir them, they will say yes to you, Jesus. You'll come into their lives, you'll change their hearts, you'll change their lives, and they will follow you all the days of their lives. I thank you for that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 